0: Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week, we're talking about what everybody is talking about, which is, as everyone calls it, a Himalayan blunder. Now, most of you are on social media, so you would probably know what I'm talking about. Basically, Himale Wellness Company filed a defamation suit against someone who's very popularly known as liver doctor. His name is Dr. Sirek Abbey-Phillips. He's a heptologist, and he's known for his scathing public comments on all kinds of alternative medicines, those being Ayurveda, Yunani, homeopathy. And in this particular case, he had a what is called Twitter or X thread on Live 52. Now, Live 52 is a flagship brand of Himalaya Wellness Company, launched way back in 1955 and supposed to be the remedy for liver issues. The liver doctor says, not so. The company has obtained an ex parte injunction from a Bangalore court leading to the suspension of the liver doctor's X account. And the next date is 5th Jan, which means until then he was supposed to be completely silenced. Why the X? Because he published a long thread with lots of scientific detail, completely debunking the contents of Live 52. The suspension of his account led to an explosion of support for the doctor on social media, on Twitter, and in fact, instead of silencing him, it ended up amplifying his message so much that it perhaps hurt the brand far more than Himalaya could have even imagined. And I'm going to call it Himalaya now instead of Himalaya Wellness Company. So here's what happened. People just jumped up to support him. Some wanted to raise money for his legal issues. Lawyers came forward to offer him legal help. And some said, okay, let's amplify this message. And screenshots of his Twitter thread began to go viral. So what never got suppressed at all. Livelaw.in, which is a digital uh, website that covers legal issues, has reported this extensively. What they wrote is that Himalaya has alleged that Dr. Phillips' claims are false and unjustified. It also says the company claimed it lost substantial business due to the allegations and has said that the doctor is running down Live 52 on behalf of well-known pharmaceutical companies. In fact, some media articles have named two specific ones, Sipla and Alkim. Now, Dr. Phillips is known for his criticism, like I said, of all alternate medicines, but he does this with some kind of background. He holds the view that herbal medicines do not go through scientific testing. So they're all well-known traditional processes which are not tested and many of them cause harm to people. He has treated patients who have come with such harm and he talks about these stories all the time. So he definitely didn't single out Himalaya or Live 52 He's been doing this all the time. In fact, after this happened, like I said, instead of silencing him, Dr. Phillips has been giving interviews to the media. And he told Business Today, every post that I have made on Himalaya, or Himalay products, showcases the lack of scientific evidence, the lack of regulation, lack of standardization, and the presence of adulteration and contamination of products that have harmed liver patients. He has apparently done a study on the harm caused by these, pro- by these products, including lip 52 which is at the moment being peer-reviewed. So it's not in the public domain, but it's based... What he has said, he says, based on a study. So now let's look at how this boomeranged on uh, Himalay. The ex parte order, like I said, instead of minimizing damage caused to the company, as the order intended, did the opposite. The action against Phillips led to him becoming so popular on Twitter. Yes, of course, his followers don't increase because his account is suspended, but people have just rallied around him. On the other hand, Himalay itself is a well-known brand. It's popular for creams, lotions, shampoos, baby products. Most of us have used some product one time or the other. And it suddenly began to be viewed with suspicion because people said, does this apply only to Live Tito or other products too? Now, though the injunction, like I said, barred the doctor from tweeting anything defamatory against Himalay, it didn't stop him from giving interviews. And large chunks of the media Especially the digital media has reached out and interviewed him or are talking about it like I am talking about it. So, what does this tell you about how to deal with criticism? It's so important today, and that is what I'm going to talk about more than the Live 52 issue, which is that social media works wonderfully, especially for the corporate sector, but there are landmines. Now, most big companies today, and Himalaya is no stranger to social and digital media know how to use the medium to promote themselves. Himalay itself uses celebrity podcasts, blogs, and other tools to promote its point of view. Now, what could have prompted its ill-advised action in this case? Little homework would have revealed that A. Dr. Phillips didn't single them out. He is known for his visceral dislike for alternate medicines. And in the past, the Kerala State Medical Council had threatened to sue him for debunking the virtues of Giloy, which is seen as a wonder drug by anybody who uses Ayurveda but he was not intimidating, he stood his ground. So even here an ex parte order to gag him would have led to some comeback from him. This should have been obvious from some google search. Perhaps the problem is that large companies have become so used to dictating the narrative about themselves that they have begun to believe in their own stories that they think they run perfect organizations. So they manage traditional media because they are huge advertisers and they threaten to withdraw advertising from print and television because they have fat advertising budgets, especially when they are consumer companies. They have also harnessed the benefit of social media extremely well to get their message across faster, cheaper, and to an extent more credibly because they use artificial intelligence-based tools, chatbots, they target specific audiences and specific demographics on various platforms. So different message depending on age groups. They also use paid influencers and storytellers extensively. And I've talked about them. They're willing to say anything, sell any narrative for a price. At the same time, they also deal with criticism. So what they do is the same people who are paid to have positive narratives can also be paid to criticize and in fact make savage personal accounts attacks against anyone who writes negatively against companies. Frankly, this should be enough, isn't it? Because this gives them enormous control and all of us as journalists face this every day. We would see it at the comments to our articles. So in the circumstances, filing defamation cases to shut down criticism instead of countering it ought to be the last resort. But corporate India today, I think, may be hubris or bad advice continues to hire lawyers and file defamation suits to silence critics. It does nothing for their reputation, makes lifelong enemies, but they continue to do it. And they misuse the defamation law. So legal experts will tell you how the judicial response to defamation should balance freedom of expression, public interest, right to reputation, with actual damage caused to a company, entity, person, his reputation before arriving at a decision. But as most of you may know or you may not know because you're not journalists, ex- parte orders are routinely issued in favor of powerful entities. Such entities can be politicians, companies, educational who has to fear actual real criticism about how they behave. Now sometimes this coercive act can boomerang. happened with liver doctor. it happened in our case. With when the National Stock Exchange filed a hundred crore defamation suit against Money Life in 2015, not only did NSE fail to get an injunction, but the judge in that case ordered the NSE to pay costs of fifty lakhs. They of course went into appeal immediately. But importantly, this case triggered a huge investigation, multiple forensic audits by the Securities and Exchange Board of India. Eventually, the NSE paid up the fifty lakhs. And withdrew the appeal because it was very clear that what we had said was fact-based, was tip of the iceberg, and there was no defamation at all. If you want to read about it, we have video blogs as well as articles in Moneyline. Sebi's investigation also led to a complete administrative shakeup, and at least two former managing directors had to leave, and the exchange itself was badly indicted by the regulator. It's another matter that from 2015 to 2023, it just goes on and on. And even the investigations are not complete, even while SEBI has lost or rather got some of its appeals half thrown out. Unfortunately, apart from NSC, no lessons seem to have been learned by Corporate India. Perhaps because cases like the liver doctor or our example with NSC are outliers, happens occasionally. So companies think defamation is an easy tool, lawyers get paid and the legal system invariably favors those with money. How does it do this? Because a legal notice threatening defamation is usually enough to silence all the small influencers and bloggers and trolls on Twitter who are so aggressive when they think nothing's going to happen. The reason they get away most of the time is that People like us do not have the resources to go after each one of them, not because they're telling the truth, but large companies is different. Persistent people, they go after them, a legal notice is usually enough. Most people don't want to go to court. If they go to the next step, which is a defamation case actually filed, then the brief to lawyers usually is get an ex parte order or an ad interim injunction, injunction, silence the writer. What's the idea? Because the process itself is a punishment. You silence them, and the case is usually forgotten. Then it's tariq pe tariq; it goes on with adjour- adjournments and takes many, many years until finally nobody remembers the case except the company and the writer. And the writer is not only silenced but bled by a thousand cuts because there are new dates, there are legal costs, and yet another adjournment. Very few are lucky enough to get help on a pro bono basis from lawyer friends. We have been extremely lucky and are very grateful for it. Now, an interesting new threat, until now unknown, is also to have a court take cognizance of a defamation claim. Claim, And this happens even when there are orders from the regulator, but the courts have been happy to take notice of it. We don't really know what that means because while the law and the jurisprudence on defamation has many checks and balances, What happens on the ground in India and in Indian courts is a completely different story. Those who have used frivolous or bogus defamation cases are not limited to, say, Professor Arundham Chaudhary of IBM, filed by by Tata Motors against an article by Gautam Sen, which was written for Money Life several years ago about its passenger car business. Now, Gautam Sen is not a nobody. He knows what he's writing about. He's a leading automotive journalist, is well known in automotive design circles. He's based in Paris. He has written several books, many of them for *Magazine Indian Auto* in 1986, followed by *Auto India*, *Automotors*, and *Sports*, and *BBC's Top Gear* in India. And yet, he's with 35 years in the profession and a solid reputation. Nothing mattered the Tatas went and filed a case against the story which we thought was so weak and so stunning because we had used their site that we actually thought someone was playing a hoax on us and wrote to the group to inform them that someone is misusing your name until we realized that no, this was a planned action and the case is dragging on and forth. That's how weak we think it is, but it's not what we think the case is going on and on from before COVID. Another example is a 100 crore defamation suit filed against uh, filed by ITC against Manu Rishi Gupta. He's a portfolio manager and the chief executive of MRG Capital Partners. In this case also, in December 2021, he filed his response. His article was titled Magic Illusion or Just Trickery? The Story of ITC. ITC filed the case in July 21. What's happened until now? Nothing. A few adjournments. And it goes on. I'm sure none of you even remember what happened. And that's how it is intended to be. The lawsuit against Dr. Phillips is another worrying example of how companies use their financial resources to silence criticism, even when legitimate concerns are raised. A few more cases have to boomerang and hopefully people will wake up and this will become a case study. If you agree, please share this article and support Moneyline. Thank you.